Welcome to The Greenhouse Effect. Our hope is that this podcast would be like a greenhouse to help you get unstuck and grow in your full potential because life ought to be fully lived. Hey, everyone. This is your host, Steve Perkins. I'm here with my co-host, Tommy Thompson. Hello, everybody. All right, Steve, I've got a riddle for you. Hit me. What is the least productive thing that you do every day that in actuality is the most productive thing you do every day? (laughs) Sleep. Sleep. I actually came up with that riddle and asked Steve off air that, and he got it right away. I, I I was so impressed. So isn't it interesting that we're wired physically as human beings to spend roughly eight hours of our day doing absolutely nothing. Yeah. Closing our eyes, (laughs) staying still. And yet science shows us that that is absolutely fundamental to health. It's fundamental to healing. That in that sense, as our topic is Mm -hmm. this week, being less productive is one of the most important things that we can do. It is It is really crazy. I have thought about that before. It gets a little existential. You got to be careful. But yeah. it, it's like, that's crazy. In this existence we're in, we spend this huge amount of time just laying there doing nothing. It's crazy. And we can't help it. We love it. We, but, you know, And so many people have tried all sorts of gimmicks to avoid it, and it doesn't work. Yeah. It's we like, need sleep. We need it. It's hardwired in. Yeah, so you know, we're just coming out of this three-part series that we've done on systems. And I know that I'm really wired to maximize productivity. And so this this idea came to me recently to think that idea of always grinding and striving to maximize productivity is actually backfiring on me. It doesn't work that I actually need to go to the other extreme and actually need to learn to become less productive in order for life to be the best it can be. Yeah. So in in a sense for you, the word productivity relates to both getting things done and kind of not getting things done. Yeah, because we all know people, you know, what, what's the phrase that we use? A chicken running around with its head cut off. Uh-huh. And what do, you, what do you imagine? You imagine a chicken running full speed and getting nowhere, getting nothing done. And that's what so many of us do. In fact, we have actually learned to fill any blank moment with productive distraction, mm-hmm. in essence, because it just... We we think we're supposed to be doing something all the time. Right. And as we prep for this episode, something that connected for us was this this last series we did on life systems. They not only help you get stuff done, but they also help you know when to put the work done and stop getting stuff done. Right. Because the nature of a system is it tells you kind of where in my life does this activity fit and when does it end? Right. It actually right sizes everything. 
And right-sizing things means that there's a time for everything. Right. And a time not to do everything. It's so good. It just further validates this idea of being intentional in the way we live and creating some of these systems. So help us dive into this topic. Like we've been soaking in the idea of systems and productivity. So what does it look like getting less productive? Well, I think it, it, it can look like a lot of different things. Uh, I think at a basic level, it means that we're not always checking things off a list. We're not always picking up something to do, that we're actually giving ourselves space to reflect, space to relax, space to restore, and space to relate, you know, and that's so important. That's where the systems that we talked about come into place because our natural wiring, particularly in our culture, is never stop doing. Uh, and if you stop doing, then pick up something that you can do, even if it's go to Facebook, you know. Uh, so we, we're wired to constantly be grinding, constantly be moving and, and accelerating. And we think progressing in that very sense is actually moving us backwards. Yeah, it's true. So, you know, this is actually a mirror for me because I know that I I actually need this message so badly to to learn to turn off, to learn to slow down, to learn to reflect. And one of the things I've figured out in terms of this productivity is if we're always producing that producing crowds out reflection so each morning i try to take some time to orient myself for the day uh, it has time for me with god it has time for me for planning i realized early on that one of the worst culprits of that time was starting off my morning by opening up email mm, yeah even if I excused it in my mind as I just wanted to get that out of my head, it's that wiring that productivity comes first. Yes, that's so true for me as well. It, it almost places you in a mode that carries through the rest of the day. It does. And so learning for me to start off the day with what's most important, which is that time of reflecting, that time of thinking, praying, that time of planning and preparing before I allow myself to get into the productive mode is so important. And if we don't allow ourselves to understand that there are times to not be productive, then that won't happen. What's interesting, because you mentioned in the last episode about the six days of work, one day of rest. Yes. And I heard this somewhere. I'm not I'm not sure if this is true. <laughs> you might know, but um I think in that text about uh in the Bible that that ancient Hebrew calendaring system that would have actually come as the first day of the week. And so I think what I heard is that it would actually the week would start with rest, technically speaking. Yeah. Which kind of you know whether that's accurate or not, I'm not sure, but it was helpful for me to think in a new way of actually if Sunday's the first day, maybe we start our week with rest. Maybe we even start our day with, with quote unquote rest. Right. And that's the better way to kick it off. Yeah. It, it sounds good. And <laughs> I, I, th I think if nothing else, it, it, it 
definitely suggests that there's an intended rhythm. And if we neg- neglect that rhythm, we neglect it at, at our own expense. So uh, I think one of the reasons for becoming less productive is because productivity crowds out time for reflection. And it does It does for so many people. I mean, think about how many times, and I, I've actually heard you say it, not to put you on the spot, but that you don't have time for the morning ritual. Well, we all have 24 hours a day. We don't have time because we're supposed to be producing so much. Right. So it's not easy, but it's a question of priority. That's a, It's a really helpful reframing because it is true. You, you can get in that almost victim mentality, which I think when I've said that, that's what I'm operating out of. Right. Well, I got all this stuff to do. Yeah. Well, that's because I created that stuff to do or I agreed to do that stuff, you know? So it, it comes back again to intentionality. Right. So I think one of the core reasons for becoming less productive as we're using this kind of phrase is to create the space for reflection. The other thing that I've become uh, very aware of, particularly as I've done a little bit more work in studying personality assessments and things like this, is I've become aware of my own uh, tendency to use productivity as a crutch for not facing my emotions. That if I stay busy, then I don't have to think. Uh Uh-huh. If I stay busy, I can put feelings on the back burner. And because those feelings are uncomfortable, because even thinking can be a little bit scary, it's a lot easier to just be constantly checking things off the list, having the sense that we're moving forward. I mean, how could you be doing but so badly if you have checks on your productivity list. But so often, I actually am uncomfortable with things that I'm feeling. And so let's just do something. Pick up the phone. And so one version of productivity is distraction. Sure. Well, think about uh, the. I'll throw this out there and not sure. uh, I haven't thought through it, but what's the reason for our love of entertainment in our culture. Because when you think about it, a lot of the shows and movies that are most popular or any form of entertainment are actually filled with a lot of bad emotions, stuff that we wouldn't want to feel in real life, right? Pain, suffering, um, you know, death, violence, all these things. And yet we, uh, for a lot of people, enjoy watching that stuff. Well, because it's, it's entertainment. By nature, it's, it's passive. I can just sit there and let it come to me. Versus an active thing, which I experienced it this weekend. I was kind of just sitting in the living room with my daughter, who's uh, three, and she wanted to play with these Barbies. And I was like, I don't know how to play Barbies. <laughs> and so I kept picking up my phone, right, and turning on Instagram. Because it was entertainment, and it could just come at me, and I didn't have to think. Playing Actively playing Barbies with my three-year-old takes a lot of effort for me. Like I have to actually engage with that and think and feel and try to figure it out. And it's just easier to let it come at you. Well, and the productivity and the distraction is our tool to avoid being uncomfortable. So there you're thinking, I don't know how to play Barbie. Let me fill the space with something else that I am comfortable with. 
that will distract me and give me an excuse not to get down on the floor and play Barbie. Exactly. I wish I had a picture. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. It was an emotion I was trying to avoid. Yeah, yeah. So we do that regularly, and I do that regularly. And so choosing those times of being less productive is a way of saying I'm actually going to open myself up to some of the uncomfortable places that will actually make me a healthier human being. So I'll throw out one other thought that I was mulling on the other day, and it's this idea of addiction. And, And you think about alcoholism, or you think about sexual addictions, or you think about workaholism. And all of these things are things that we do that are designed to anesthetize ourselves. I mean, that's why we become addicted. We actually want to stop feeling. And the whole point of all of this is to say, as human beings, we are people who should be feeling and should be thinking. And so putting aside some of the distraction and the productivity to make that space to put away the addiction, the whatever it is, the workaholism, in essence, is really important for us becoming more human. And the the more we dive into this topic, it convinces me that it, it does need to be a practice or a routine or something that you a muscle that you work because in the case of an addiction, it's, you know, it's going to be really hard to just all of a sudden stop and rest from that quote unquote. And, and, you know, as we go down this list today, it's almost like it gets deeper and deeper into being hard to rest and to be less productive. It's very true. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to who speak with some level of normalcy and some level of pride that they haven't taken vacations in years. Yeah, uh-huh. That they've gone years without taking vacation, that they think it's normal, that they think it's something to be proud about. And I think, wow, have we have we resorted to that to where it becomes so normal that we don't even take a rest, don't even want to take a rest? And then how many people do you know who go on vacation who don't know how to go on vacation? Right. And and I even as you're saying that, I can feel the tension, right? Because I know that I'm getting closer and closer to that. It makes me want to practice this while it's still easier to implement instead of waiting until it's almost impossible. Exactly. And if you wait, it will be almost impossible. Mm. So that's where it's important. So that kind of leads to our, our suggestion for this week, the action item. Yeah. And I love this one. Uh, because it ties into what exactly what you just said, Tommy. So our, our action item to challenge you with is this week, choose something that has no other purpose than to just be restorative. Yeah. And we, and we chose that word intentionally, restorative, because it's not just doing nothing or being less productive. It's actually intended to help you heal and restore and revitalize and rest. And so we would challenge you to do something this week that has no other purpose than to be restorative. Right. And, and again, be creative as we've talked about, uh, watching TV doesn't quite qualify as what we're talking about. Might be going fishing. It might be reading a book, might be taking a bath. It might be any number of things, but, but do something that for you feels like you're pushing yourself 
beyond the norm of always producing. And I would guarantee that whatever this restorative thing is will be without a device attached to it. And allow yourself to experience a little bit, even the uncomfortableness of doing something that is not productive. <laughs> so good. Okay. So as usual, if you if you try it and you want to share how it went, we'd love to hear. And we'd love to just kind of celebrate that you gave it a try. And hopefully you can build it into your life as a system. Absolutely. Here at The Greenhouse Effect, we are big fans of our friends at Belay Solutions. They are a company that provides virtual assistants and bookkeepers and social media managers. We want to give you a taste of what it's like to work with Belay from one of their clients. His name is Dave Richards, the CEO and lead coach for Elite Performance Associates. Belay saved me. When I was focused on growing my business, you know, I can think of recently, um, I was working with a high profile, uh, you know, federal government agency on a conference for them. And it had a lot of moving parts. You know, my VA allowed me to confidently let go of all of those things and just focus solely on preparing content and delivering a high value program to the client. Belay follows up with me. How can I give more this constant prodding of you know, how do you, how can we help you more? How can we pull more from your plate so that you can do, you know, what you're meant to do and what you're best at? If you resonate with any of this and you want more information, we have partnered with Belay to offer $200 off of your startup costs. And if you want to learn more about that or have a free consultation with a member of the Belay team, just click the link in the show notes or go to belaysolutions.com backslash next step. So our book recommendation this week is is fun. I, I got to give the credit to you, Tommy, because we were thinking, what should we do? Maybe we shouldn't give a book recommendation this week. Uh, and we decided instead of something that's in the productivity or personal growth realm, let's give a recommendation to read something in the fiction realm. So we decided on a book that both of our wives have been reading and, and really loving, and it's called Where the Crawdads Sing. And so... This is our book recommendation if you don't have an idea, if you're just a complete productivity junkie like us. And if you have some other kind of fiction or story that you've been wanting to read, uh, we would encourage you to do that one this time. I like spy thrillers, so you can replace it with a spy thriller if you want. <laughs> can I watch a movie on my phone? No. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with a friend. Don't forget to subscribe and come on, do us a favor, leave a five-star review. It'll help others find the show too.